0: If you want to have a strong spirit, what do you got to do? Number one, you got to feed yourself. Right? And you got to exercise yourself. And we've also talked about you got to rest spiritually. Rest. And this will tie in, the rest part will tie in with some things I want to talk to you now. I used to teach this. I've taught this series. Of course, you never teach it the same way twice. But some of the same truths and principles, I've taught it several times. And I know just like a year or so ago, year or two ago, I, t- I taught it and got towards the end. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, you're not, you're not teaching all of that. I didn't understand. He said, you're not teaching all that, that you need to in that series. I thought, well, I, that's how you get your spirit strong. You feed it. You exercise it. You rest. You get strong that way. He said, yeah, but there's another major part to that. Well, he had to show it to me because I, I didn't know it. And this is what he revealed to me. He revealed to me that you can do all of these things and still be weak. You can feed yourself. You can exercise yourself. You can rest and still be weak spiritually. Now that came as a surprise to me. Just like y'all are quiet. But I'm going to tell you what he helped me to see. Go with me to Hebrews the twelfth chapter. Hebrews chapter twelve. Now in Hebrews twelve, of course, how many know what comes before Hebrews twelve? <laughs> Hebrews eleven. <laughs> you guys are sharp, aren't you? I <laughs> mean, you just got that right away. Uh, What is in Hebrews 11? What's the subject? Faith. 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 I mean the whole thing. Verse 1 through verse 40. Faith, 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 by faith, through faith, in faith, of faith. Now you understand, he didn't write this in chapter and verse. This all flowed together. So he's talking about faith, and then he gets to 12.1 here. And he says, wherefore? Wherefore, see, of course, you'd have to understand what he just said to be able to hook this up. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses who walked by faith. Is that right? People who lived by faith and operated by faith. Let us do what? Lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How many, of we, we're gonna run this race by faith, aren't we? We're gonna make it through by faith. Let me read this to you from another translation. One said, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back Especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience. The race set before us. Now this is what the Lord helped me to see. That you could be feeding your spirit, which most people don't do very well. exercising your spirit, which a lot of people don't do much at all. And resting, which many have yet to learn about. But even if you learned about these things. You could still be doing all that and stay weak. Why? Because of weights and hindrances. And something I'll add and I'll explain as we go. Drains. D-R-A-I-N-S. Drains. See, he's talking about things that drag you and hold you. And we could also say things that drain you. How many understand that you could have a gas tank in your car and that if you had a hole in the tank that you could have the nozzle full force and you can be pumping gas in there at the rate of ever how many gallons an hour and still not get the thing full if you got a substantial hole in the bottom of it? Because even though you got a lot coming in, you got just as much or more going out. So you're not going to get full that way. Is that true? Yes. Let's say, I mean, some of you may have rechargeable flashlights or razors or something like that. How many know if you want to recharge something, like you got a flashlight, that you don't turn it on and then charge it? That's not the best way to do it, is it? I mean, you know, if you're if you're running it while you're charging it then some things won't charge up that way. Even some things that will, it takes a long, long time. Why? Because you've got some coming in, but you've got a bunch going out. And so you're just not going to accumulate and become strong. You know, in racing, whether you're talking about humans racing, horses racing, cars, motorcycles, boats, you name it, power is not the only factor. You know that the car on the racetrack that wins the race is not always the car with the most powerful engine. they got to have some power, but power is not the only thing. One thing that they really do in racing is they try to make things lighter. Because you can take an engine that has less power than this engine in this car, but if this car is lighter than this car, it'll outrun it. Even though it's got less power, it'll push it faster and easier because you don't have as much to push around. Is that right? I know I was reading about this uh, motorcycle they had just come out with a while back. And everybody was raving about it, raving about it so fast, so fast. And and, and I read an article on it, you know, flying and stuff. You see different, you know, there was magazines in the uh, airplane pocket in front of me. And I was looking at it. And it said that the engine on this motorcycle was nothing really special beyond what they had been making for some years. And I thought, well, then what makes it so so much faster? And I went on to read, and they had lightened every nut, every bolt, every piece of metal, everything. They just made it as light as possible. And they had wound up taking X amount of pounds off of it. And now, even though it doesn't have a new motor or a stronger motor, it runs like a different motorcycle. Because it's not pushing all this weight around. Do you know that spiritual life is that way? The solution to being a stronger, better moving, more powerful, more victorious Christian is not just more power. But we've got to streamline some things. Is that right? I mean, it's amazing. People a lot of times think, well, my motor's my problem. I just don't have enough power here in my motor. But the thing is, they don't realize how much stuff they're carrying around. I mean, they got a cast iron bathtub in the trunk. They got three anvils in the back seat. You understand? They got lead bars over on the passenger side. And to drop it all off, they got three big log chains and they got it hooked up to a, a, four, a tandem trailer on the back bumper, and it's loaded with steel and pig iron. And they put their foot in it, and the old motor just grunts and just, you know, and it just moves so slow, and everything's so laborious, and it burns so much gas, and it's hard to move. And they think, well, I need a new motor. That's what I need. My motor's got no power. But, oh, man, if you'd unhook that trailer, get the bathtub out of the back, throw the anvils over on the side of the road. I mean, just go ahead and take the spare out and throw it out. Take out the back seat. Pull out the dash. I mean, throw out the mats. I mean, anything you don't need. Pull off the hood ornament. Everything, just strip it down. Now you punch the engine. It'll take off so fast you won't know what happened to you. What happened to my car? I got a new motor. No, you got the same motor. Got the same motor. It's just not pushing all that weight around. God did not call us to be the devil's pack mule. And haul stuff around. Weights, burdens, cares, sins but he wants us to be free you watch these folks that run you know like in the Olympics or in uh, on professional level I mean they go to great pains to find the lightest shoes and the lightest some of them you know they almost don't put anything on but you know they shouldn't wear big heavy cumbersome stuff you watch in those horse races of course many of them they do it gambling and stuff and that's not good but you, in the horse races, you watch what they do. Do they get the big 300-pound football player to ride the racehorse? Well, he's strong. He can steer the horse. But oh, no, no, no. You want to find a little guy. Is that right? Little fella. What kind of saddle do they put on there? They put one of these great big things that's got rhinestones all over it, you know, and silver all the way down. <laughs> no, 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 no. Light. Small. Is that right? Why? They want that horse to hardly even know he's got anybody on there. Right? Because he can run faster. Well, friend, you and I can be build, building ourselves up, nourishing ourselves, exercising ourselves, but if we have all this extra baggage and we've got all of these worries and cares and sins and all these things pulling us and dragging us and holding us, we're still not going to be victorious like we ought to be until we lop off this stuff now I want to mention some things that'll drain you that'll drag you that'll hold you down first of all this is the biggie and this covers a lot of areas are the the baggage and the oppression and the heavy things upon you of fear and worry cares and burdens of fear and worry. Go with me to Ezekiel 21 real quickly. And let's look at this. Ezekiel 21. How many are with me so far? You understand what we're talking about? How many would rather be. A racehorse for the Lord. Than a pack mew for the devil. Huh? I think so. I mean let's get off the heavy stuff. Let me read that verse again to you while you're finding Ezekiel 21. Let me read this verse again to you. He said, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. I know before I uh, got into the ministry, I had my focus set on being a fighter. Professional fighter. And I was, I was on my way. I was doing it full time. And, of course, you know, when you, when you're really trying to find an edge, boy, you, uh, you, you try to trim everything. And I've seen guys shave their heads, you know. I know one guy came, he was joking, but it was real funny. He came in one day, and he always had a big bushy mustache. And he came in and he had it shaved off. He was one of the fighters. We all fought together and trained together. Somebody said, "What happened to your mustache?" He said, "It slowed me down." <laughs> he said, "My punch picked up three tenths of a second when I shaved this thing." <laughs> well, I mean, he—they're getting everything off, man. I mean, you know, let's get it, let's get it lightened up, so we can find speed, so we can have the power. Well, how many know that in the things of God, we need the power, we need the speed, we need to be able to do the job. Without a bunch of stuff holding us down. And I'm telling you, fear will hold you down. Worry will hold you down. You can be trying to put faith into yourself, but if you yield to fear, it's just like somebody's pulling the plug in the bathtub drain. I mean, you did all this nourishment you're putting in you, it's just like running out of you. Why? Because you're yielding to fear. Have you realized that fear and worry is tiring? Have you discovered this? I mean, you can be in a good service, you can get built up, you can pray and exercise yourself and just get built up, you can go sit down and worry for 15 minutes and look like a truck run over you. Is that right? Really? Does worry edify you or drain you? It drains you. It drains you. So do you understand why people get in trouble? It's not enough to feed yourself a few minutes on the word or even go to a good service, pray a few minutes in the spirit and then worry and fret the rest of the day. Because even though you're putting some in, you've got more drain than you have input. So the bottom line is you're going to stay weak. And people scratch their head and think, well, I've been reading the word. I've been doing this. Yeah, but you got more drain than you have input. So you're still not going to be strong. Notice in... Ezekiel, I guess it is. 21. Something that said, and you can really see some some operation of some things here. Ezekiel 21. Let's see, verse 7, I guess is where we'll start here. Verse 7. Ezekiel 21, 7. It'll be when they say to thee, wherefore sighest thou, that thou shalt answer for the tidings How many know what tidings are? News. Report. Because it cometh. And when this news comes, what's going to happen? Every heart will melt. All hands will be feeble. Every spirit shall faint. And all knees will be weak as water. Why did they get that way? Because of what they heard. And what they heard, obviously, produced fear in them. They were hearing about the enemy and the destruction and this and that. And he said he, taught, he described the effects that that would have on the hearers that their spirit would grow faint and when their spirit was faint did that affect their body? Yes. Knees weak as water. Does what you think on affect you? Yes. See, that, we, we already talked about this but it will bear repetition. You know, Isaiah 26.3 Do you remember what it said? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And the Bible said in Romans that to be spiritually minded is life and peace but to be carnally minded is death. If you think on things of fear and doubt and worry and whatever it's a drain on you. It's a drain on you. But if you hold your mind on the things of God it edifies you. It builds you up. It builds you up. Um, Real quickly I want to demonstrate something to you. You two fellows right here. Come come up. Stand on each side of me here. I want to show you something. I've seen this, Stand right here. One of you right here. I've seen in healing school when people come in, they make progress. And I've seen people, you know, lose some progress. And, and I understand how it works a lot of times. It took me a while to see it. But let's say that one of these fellows represents the Lord and one of these fellows represents the enemy. Sorry. Uh, somebody had to be the enemy. And uh, do you understand that the enemy, the enemy, whichever one, is always trying to get you to think on what he wants you to think on. The Lord's always trying to get you to think on what he wants you to think on. Do you understand that? That there is a vying for your mind time. And I've seen people come in that were just totally wiped out spiritually. Just weak, didn't have enough strength to believe their way through anything. Just in terrible shape. And we could get them to think, you know, the Lord is here. He's wanting, you know, you to uh, think on his thoughts. And it's up to you who you yield to. Either way. And so they begin thinking on his thoughts. And thinking about, by his stripes I'm healed. And they're all beat down and weak, you know. And they're thinking about, that he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. As they think on him, the life comes into them. To be spiritually minded is life. And peace, and in a few days, man, you see people just blossom and flourish and go from total weakness to strength, and they just look better, sound better. But a lot of times the enemy will come, and they'll say, "Hey, hey, don't forget, don't forget this. Look at this." And a lot of times people they'll turn, and they'll begin looking at the uh, the symptoms and the problems, and as they do, to be carnally minded is what death. And it just starts draining you. The more you think about it, and the more you talk about it, and what, and the thing is, people will do this a while, and then they'll do this a while. And you know, they start coming back up, and, and then they say, ah, oh, ah, oh, but look at this, and then they start going back down, you know. And so it's up, and it's down. And, it's up. and that's why a lot of those people don't get very far. Make a little progress, lose it. Go ahead a little bit, step back. So what should you do? ignore any thoughts of defeat and negativism and death and just keep your mind on the Lord and His things and you'll just keep being edified, built up, built up. And instead of letting that get drained from you by allowing yourself to think on the wrong things, you'll retain it and just keep building instead of losing and building. Can you see that? Thank you, fellas. So important. So important. Now, uh, if you fear and if you worry, like we said, that is going to drain you. It's going to take out of you. Can you keep from worrying? Is it possible? Yes. That was not really as strong as and I, I'm not just listening for volume. You can tell whether it's real in folk or not. Not that's football. Yeah.. <laughs> I bet you could. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Listen, is it possible to not worry? Do you have to worry? Are things bigger than you? And there are just some things you just cannot help but worry about. No. No, no. The Lord Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. He said, I gave you my peace. So if your heart's troubled and afraid, how'd get that way? You let it get that way. Did you have to let it get that way? No, in fact, you're disobedient to the word he told you not to. Don't let yourself get that way. Now you have let yourself get that way. I have let myself get that way. But we should have repented if we did. Because it's unbelief. It's doubt. And you don't have to worry. But a lot of folk do, don't they? A lot of people worry about a lot of things. But it's not faith. The more faith you have, the less you worry. And the less you worry, the less drained you are. There's a reason why. A whole lot of people just look drug out all the time. I mean, they may have got nine hours sleep last night. And they just look drug out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just, you know, look like they're just barely making it. Got half nostril above water. I mean, just... Just look at them square in the face and uh, you better not look at them too long or they'll cry. (laughs) You know, they just just got no strength, no ability. Why? If you worry all the time, it's a continual drain on your spiritual resources. And you get to the place where you don't have enough faith to open a bag of potato chips. I mean, you just... (laughs) Can you open it... I don't know. I'll try. Here's something that's a revelation. Many have not realized it. Do you know it takes faith to do virtually anything that you want to mention? It takes faith to get out of bed in the morning. It does. You know why there's a lot of people that got to the point where they didn't get out of the bed anymore and some of them live on the streets why? Because they lost faith. They, they finally got to a place where, why bother? I mean, you go work, and they'll probably lay me off next month anyway. And even if I do work, the government's going to take half of it. And Even if it's no faith. No faith. But faith will get up and go. I said, faith will get up and go, saying, well, no matter what, this situation or the economy situation or the company situation, God's my source. It's my job to do what I know to do, do the best way I know how, and God will look after me. He'll protect me. Amen. If this, I mean, if this is not going to work, he'll put me with something else that will. But it's my job to do my part. He's not going to prosper what I sit on. He prospers what I set my hand to. Right? But you can't let yourself worry. You just cannot. You can't let yourself worry about your kids. Or your grandkids. I so, say, well, they're, they're lost, some of them. I know it, but do you want to help them or not? Well, it gets quiet when you start talking about stuff like this. You're not helping them by wringing your hands and doubting The one thing you can do to help them is get in faith. As many folk that talk about I'd do anything to help my child. I'd do anything. No, they won't do the one thing God tells them to do. Get in faith. Well, well, yeah. Well, well, you can't worry then. You can't worry. If you're worrying, you're not in faith about it. If you're depressed and discouraged about it, crying about it, you're not in faith. Simple. Because if you're in faith... You've prayed. You've asked God to send laborers across their path. You've asked God to enlighten the eyes of their heart and understanding. And you didn't just ask it, but you believe that God heard your prayer. And you believed you received when you prayed. And so you've been a thanking God. You've been thanking God for Him sending those laborers Enlightening them and helping them and expecting to hear the good report just any time. But then when they bring the report and said they acted like the devil and tore this up. Wound up in jail and acted like a heathen and did this and that and tore the house up. Because you walk by faith, you just that does not move you. Amen. does not move. You just look at it and you say, well, God must really be dealing with them. Because yeah. they show our kicking against it. But you can't whip God. You can't, you can't outrun God. You can't get away from God. God's on your trail. God's going to get you. Pull you right into the kingdom. Faith's always positive. Faith is always up. Faith doesn't cry and roll around in Mm self-pity. But worry drains you, doesn't it? It drains you. Oh, it drains you. I want to say it again. I know it's being redundant, being repetitive, but I want you to understand it. It won't do you one bit of good to hear this message today and think, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right, praise God, and then go home and worry this evening about something. (laughs) And if you've been a habitual worrier, you're not going to stop worrying just by wishing you would. It'll take some effort, and I want it. And you'll have to catch yourself. If your minds had the tendency to just run in that negative vein and pessimistic vein and discouraged, depressed vein, you'll have to grab yourself again and again throughout the evening, throughout the day say, No, 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 wait a minute. You can't think like that. No. Let's praise God some more. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about dying. Don't worry about the doctor's report. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your money. Don't worry. Amen. Don't worry. There's one fellow said this. I thought it was an excellent philosophy. He said, this is my philosophy. This is how I live. He said, I do not worry about things I can do something about because I can do something about them. He said, nor do I worry about things I cannot do anything about because I cannot do anything about them. <laughs> Well, man, if you don't worry about the things you can do something about, and you don't worry about things you can't do anything about, then you just don't worry. Is that right? Praise God! You're supposed to be that way. It's amazing how much stronger would people immediately, their their levels of spiritual strength would just leap up instantly. I mean, just within the, the first day or so, their levels would just jump up. If they would stop this foolish, unbelieving worrying. Spiritual levels are just leap. Strength levels. Why? Because the worry is a continual drain. It's continually draining. Your spiritual strength is ebbing out of you every moment you worry, every moment you fret. Fear. A worry is a drain, it's a drag on you. You cannot continue to do it and be strong. Secondly, things that will drain you has to do with yielding to the flesh. Yielding to the flesh and fleshly involvements and endeavors will drain you. We talked about walking in the Spirit. And even though you're having to exercise yourself a little bit, how many understand it edifies you when you walk in love? You might have to put forth some effort to do it, but when it's all said and done, how do you feel when you get through walking in love? Feel good, don't you? Walking in joy, walking in peace, all of these things. But when you yield to the flesh, you yield to the lust of the eyes. You yield to the lust of the flesh. You yield to the pride of life. It drains you. Doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. It drains you, doesn't it? Sin saps you. Doesn't it? Now, I'm telling you some things that the Lord brought to me by revelation because it, was a, it perplexed me because I had taught these other truths and I was firmly convinced because I knew I saw it in the Word that if you'd feed yourself good and exercise yourself good and rest, you'd grow and develop. And yet it looked to me like I was seeing some people that were doing it, and they still stay weak. And I thought, Lord, I know this works. And that's when he began to show me, yeah, but these other things are sapping them. Yes, they're having strength come in them. Yes, they're exercising, but they got spiritual leeches on them, sucking the vitality out of them. soon as they get built up a little bit, these things pull it out of them. So even though they are doing some of these things properly... They're not being strong because of these drains and drags on them. And that's one reason why the devil will fight you so hard. To keep you involved in things that you ought not be involved in. Doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Why? Because he wants to keep you weak. If he can keep you weak, he can keep you defeated. Is that right? You know you could have different, but you're so weak you just look up and go, Well, the devil's got me in a mess. When you could rise up and be strong and just slap him sideways and grab the victory and go on down the road. But you're too weak. You're too weak. One of the greatest stories along this line has to do with Samson and Delilah. Remember them? Particularly Samson. Was Samson strong? (laughs) You better believe he was strong. Now a lot of times people have the idea that Samson was this great Gigantic man. But there's nothing to substantiate that. People try to leave the impression, well, he must have been at least nine feet tall. You know, gigantic guy. No, there's nothing to infer that. For all we know, he could have been 5'7". Weighed 160 pounds. Or 50, whatever. We we don't know. We don't know. if If he was anything beyond an average-sized man of his day, we don't know. Because the source of his strength wasn't just his physical being, but there was spiritual power. I said spiritual power. I don't care if he had have been ten feet tall, he couldn't have done some of the things he did just with physical strength. I mean, for instance, on one occasion, he was visiting one of the ladies, which he shouldn't have been doing, and his enemy knew he was there, and so they're lying for him, waiting for him. And he came out, and they're waiting for him. They're gonna get him. He got up at midnight went out of the gate of the city, right right through the gate. And on his way, of course, they're going to kill him. You know, they're laying for him to kill him. On his way out, he reached over, grabbed the city gates. You've got to realize what kind of gates these were. These are not some little gate like you might see at somebody's driveway. (laughs) Some little wrought iron, something of. These are gates that they would lock and bolt to keep armies out. We're talking several men with a big battering ram couldn't get through these things. And so these things got huge logs down into the ground, how many feet deep, rocks and all kind of things cemented together. And he reaches out and grabs one on one side, one on the other, rips them up out of the ground. The gates, the poles and all. Puts them on his shoulder walks out of town with them all the way up a hill with them and lays them down. And his assassin said, you know, I think we'll just let him go. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just let him go. <laughs> How many understand that's a type of the power that the church ought to be walking in? When the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail. I mean, there will not be any kind of roadblock that the devil tries to put up that to keep the church out. Not only do we bust through the gate, we rip it up out of the ground. Take it up on the hill and throw it over on the side. But, 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 the great man of God, with the great anointing on his life, became weak. Why? Because not only was he fighting and conquering the Philistines, but he was sleeping with the Philistines. How many of you can't overcome the world and sleep with the world? It'll drain you. I said, it'll drain you. Hear this man of great power. His hair was symbolic of glory and his consecration to God. And he divulged the information and. Lost it, but it really, it wasn't just the haircut that did it, you see. It, the haircut symbolized, you know, the, if the hair was the symbol of, of his consecration, then the loss of it was his lack of consecration to God, and that was a big factor. How I many you know you, not, you not only have to be anointed, you got to be consecrated. you got to be committed and dedicated to God, separated unto him. And friend, the devil, if he can, he'll get you into this, he'll get you into that. Sleeping with the very things that you ought to be fighting. Amen. And he'll cut off your hair and your glory. Did you hear me? Amen. And you who should be mighty and strong in the things of God, you'll be weak. Amen. He put out his eyes, made him grind at the mill like an animal. But praise God, you see the mercy of God again. His hair began to grow again. Amen. And he went out in a blaze of glory. Took out more enemy in his death than he ever had in his lifetime. Amen. God's gracious. But how many know the story didn't have to go that way? It didn't have to go that way. Didn't have to go that way. Because you don't have to give in to the enemy. Things that'll drain you, that'll drag you, that'll hold you down are too many projects, too many proverbial irons in the fire. You can be feeding yourself, exercising yourself, and still not be growing strong in the Lord if you're trying to do too much. Got too many things going. Go with me to Luke 10, and let's look at one of the classic examples of a uh, workaholic. You know, a lot of times people testify to being workaholics. They say it with a certain degree of pride, don't they? well, I guess I'm just a workaholic. And a lot of times what they don't realize is they just got through sin. I'm just disobedient and carnal. Because uh, when the Lord says rest and you work anyhow, that's disobedience. When the Lord says do this and you do that, that's disobedience. In Luke 10, we see An example of somebody that was a go-getter, mover and a shaker. I mean, if uh, this lady had lived today, she'd have had two fax machines and three car phones. I mean, she'd have been a mover and a shaker. Her name was Martha. (laughs) Sister Martha. Verse 38. Luke 10. It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She's a good-hearted woman, wasn't she? Good woman in a lot of ways. I think sometimes people only look at one side of people's personality and just label them that. no, Martha, if you'd, have, if you'd have got to meet her, and praise God one of these days you will. We can talk about the whole thing. Just go into detail. Say, Martha, what were you cooking? What was it you had on your mind that you had to do that day? And she ta- talked to you about it. Of course, y'all might have something more important you want to talk about. I don't know. But uh, Martha was a nice woman, good woman. Invited the preacher over to her house. People that invite preachers over are nice people. People that cook for preachers are nice people. See. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Martha received him. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. Everybody say cumbered. cumbered. Now we don't really use that word a whole lot nowadays. What would you say instead of cumbered? Mm-hmm. Loaded. Loaded's a good word. Cumbered. Strapped. Loaded. Overloaded. Stressed. Her daytimer was too full. (laughs) Yes, it was. She was cumbered about much serving. Now, is it a bad thing to serve? Well, it's a good thing. Many other places in the Bible it teaches us to serve, to work hard. Is it a bad thing to be diligent? No, it's one of the keys to prosperity, being diligent. I mean, there's some folk in the ditch on the other side. They're too sorry to get out of bed and do anything. But it seems like, as with most most things, people get in one ditch or the other. They're either lazy bums or they're working in a flying frenzy. There's a middle of the road. There's a truth in the Word. And I'll show you how you can tell. What's right and where you're at. Martha was cumbered with much serving. One translation says she was very busy and involved with all of the elaborate preparations. Well, is it nice to go all out? I mean, here's Jesus at your house. You want to you wanna put on a big deal? I mean... There's nothing really wrong with that. Let's put on a spread. Right? The preacher's here. Put on a spread. I mean, you know, let's let's make this and let's make that. Let's get out to China and, and let's get out this and let's get out that. Have a, big, have a big deal. Blow out. Well, it's nothing wrong with wanting to go first class and wanting to treat people nice and do right. I mean, this, that's good. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But, listen to me carefully. You're not supposed to help people just the way you want to help them. But help them the way they want you to help them. Martha was more concerned about what she wanted to do for Jesus than she was about what Jesus wanted her to do. I need to say that again. I said Martha was more concerned about what she wanted to do for Jesus than what Jesus wanted her to do for him. Is she running around pulling out all this stuff, doing all this stuff because the Lord asked her to do it? No. 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 I've seen people do that any number of times that they, uh, I mean, they went to all this trouble and even spent money and did a bunch of things. Then they're upset because you didn't just jump up and down about it. And the truth is, they weren't really thinking about you. They're thinking about what they wanted to do. And they call themselves doing it all for you, but really they're doing it a whole lot for themselves. Hope you're listening today. How many times have people had problems because of these kind of things? And you know, not only do people do that with each other, they do it with the Lord. Well, Lord, look at what all we did for you. And a lot of times the Lord just is not impressed. Oh, Lord, we stayed up late and worked on this. He could care less. Well, Lord, this cost us a lot of money. Yeah, but why didn't you come ask him what he wants? A lot of times he would have said, don't even bother with that. I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. All those hours and money would have been saved. Just like that. Don't even bother with that. Do this. Martha was more interested in what she wanted to do for the Lord than she was in what he wanted her to do. See, she's not even making the effort to find out exactly what he wants to do that. She just got in her mind, well, we could do this, we could do that, we could do the other, and we'll do all this for the Lord, and it'll be great and wonderful, and he'll be thrilled. And so she's working real hard, and, and she's not able to do it all herself. How many know when you're doing stuff in the flesh, it gets weary? Wears yeah. you down, man. You got all this stuff. Cause see, why? Cause you got no unction. Cause it's not what God told you to do. He's not obligated to anoint you and sustain you to do your own deal. He's only obligated to anoint you to do what he told you to do, not just what you decide to do. So she's weary. She's worn out. She's frustrated. You can tell she is. I don't know what she, maybe she ran to the market. And went all over town trying to find the best food items and trying to find this and bargaining and haggling and paying this. And she came back and she's cleaned the house and she's scrubbed this and she's fixed the yard and and she's made a casserole and she's made this and made that. And she looks in there and she's she's got to get this out of the oven. And she's got to fix this. And there's Mary, that sorry gal, sitting there just listening to teaching. And I mean, she passed by and saw and it made her mad. Maybe she just went on in the kitchen and she's working and she just got so mad about it, she just couldn't stand it. She just walked on in where he's teaching. She said, Lord. He looked up. Now he'd probably take one look at her and tell Martha has lost her peace. <laughs> she's lost her joy. She's lost her peace. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to get up and help me. Now, I am sure that she was completely persuaded that the Lord would say, Well, yeah, Mary, get up and go help your sister. Because people like that are always persuaded that... I'm right, i mean. Come help me. Get up, you lazy rascal, and help. Let's work. Get in a frenzy with me. You're not supposed to be that relaxed and peaceful. (laughs) And the Lord looked at her and he said, Martha, Martha. wonder if he'd ever say something like that to you. (laughs) Call your name twice. (laughs) Call your name twice. Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, he didn't tell her to get up and go help her. He didn't tell Mary, you need to be more like your sister, be a hard worker like her. Now he said, Martha, you could learn something from Mary. He's not advocating laziness, irresponsibility. But there's something more important than being diligent and working hard. It's having your priorities right. And it's being led. He said, you're careful and troubled about all these things. He said, there's one thing you should have had on your mind. See, your priorities are wrong. Well, we've got to get the roast. We've got to get this. We've got to get that. Well, why are we here? Don't people lose sight of things? Why are we here? To have a meal? Is that the main reason we're here? No, Jesus is here main thing is listening to him paying attention to him is that right yeah. and if you'd have come and asked him Lord I want to uh, I want to take care of you while you're here we could do this we could do this he might have said no, no Martha you just sit down here I'm not concerned about that in a few minutes we get through we'll go get some sandwiches And the Lord would have been much more pleased with her if she would have wanted to find His perfect will and obey Him rather than just trying to do all these elaborate things for Him. I said Martha was more interested in what she wanted to do for the Lord, her plan, all her elaborate preparation, than she was interested in what He wanted from her. If the Lord says, yes, cook me an 11-course meal, well, cook it. Get in there and go with it. But if the Lord says, you leave that alone, do this right now. I've seen people, they were so rigid in the way that they operated, That unless their house was a certain way, unless they had their hair a certain way, unless they had their lawn a certain way, unless they had their car a certain way, they can't do anything yet. Well, I got to do this. It's going to take three hours. Well, I got to do this. No, I got to do this. I can't stand to go to bed with a dirty dish. I can't stand to, to go with my car dirty. I can't. Listen, if God says go, go, forget it, leave it. It'll be there when you get back. Go, do what He said. Don't postpone the Lord. Don't put Him off. Why are you going to do your thing? It's important to be responsible and to be diligent. Yes. But it's more important to hear from God and be led. And it's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of priorities. And before you make too many plans and get involved with stuff up to your nose, it's good to ask the Lord, what do you want? Don't just assume you know what he wants. So that's what Martha did. She just assumed, well, the Lord's going to want all this then she got mad because Mary wasn't helping her, but the Lord didn't send Mary to the kitchen. He very, in a nice way, told Martha she could learn something from her sister, in a very nice way. Do you understand that it's not just getting the job done that's the most important thing? What kind of condition are you in when you get through with it? A lot of times you run and rant and rave and do this and that. You know, what kind of condition are you in once you got it done? You know, I've told my wife a lot of times, you know, we travel a lot, go to places. I don't like to be rushed. So I like to try to make whatever preparation I need to. You know, don't, don't get to the airport in the last minute and get to this the last minute and get ready the last minute and get up to get ready to go to the church the last minute. No. Why? Because it's not just making it that's the point. What condition are you in when you get there? And I mean, if your nerves are frayed and you've just been, you know. (laughs) What if I walked in here today? My hair's sticking up all over the place, and my coats pull over to one side and, and I rush in and i 'm breathing hard and my 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 notes are scattered all over, and I go, well i 'm here now we can have church let 's see what am I supposed to do? Oh yeah see that's not that 's not what you need. How can I minister peace to you if I have none? So instead of doing that, what I did today is just when I got through my last hour of class, shut the door and turn out the light. Didn't go to lunch. Didn't talk to a bunch of people. Didn't fill out a bunch of stuff. Sit there and pray. And a lot of times, uh, missing a meal helps you as much by just not having the fool with all the preparation and getting something and think about it as much as not eating. Just not having to fool with all that. Not having to think about it. See, everything you do requires spiritual and mental energy. Everything you do. From fixing a meal to deciding which restaurant you go. I've seen people burn up a lot of spiritual energy and mental energy trying to decide which restaurant to go to. <laughs> and the thing is, you do not have an unlimited amount of spiritual and mental energy. If you spend it and waste it on certain things, you're not going to have it for other things. Watching TV spends emotional, spiritual, and mental energies. You are not just resting when you're watching TV. You're exercising your mind, your soul, and your spirit. Shopping is not rest. Amen. And yet, some, you know, you need to shop sometimes. But sometimes folk would be so much better off if they'd pray before they shopped. Sometimes you can make a few phone calls and save yourself a lot of running around, hassling and stuff. And you know there's always being led. <laughs> now what we're still learning about this But at the same time, at least make an effort. Do not just go through the process of elimination. Well, 323 stores carry this item. So we'll see who has the best price. So you go to every one of them. Talk to every clerk. Let them give you their sales pitch. Well, By the time you get through with that, You're so all right, you can't hear from God about what to do. You just say, give me one, let me go home. (laughs) And people waste faith, patience, long-suffering. They waste it on a lot of unnecessary stuff. And so then when they need it for something, it's not there. They've already used it up. You only have so much mental and spiritual energies each day. You need to be selective about how you spend it. Just like money. How I many know once you spent the money, it's spent. You see something else, you say, well, I'd like to get... Well, you've already spent the money. Right? And that's why some people explode when you talk to them about things that they should be patient of. They use their patience up on some crossword puzzle or something. <laughs> 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 At the time you get to them, they don't have any left. <laughs> Playing games is not resting. Playing computer games is not resting. You use, you're use, exercising your spirit. You're using faith. You, you know, somebody say, using faith? Yes, yes. You use faith in natural things all the time. You, you use faith to get ready in the morning. Don't look at me and look so surprised. When you get out of bed and look in the mirror, it takes faith. <laughs> <laughs> to say, I believe... But before I walk out this door, I can look good. It takes, uh, you know, well, I won't say that. It, it takes faith, though. <laughs> it takes faith to get to work or get to school, get in your car and go. You've got to believe that you can drive and, and, and uh, navigate and make it there without somebody running over you. you running over somebody. It takes more faith than you think. It takes faith. It takes patience. You're using faith and patience and these things all the time, and people do not realize how all of the different involvements are draining them more than they think, and so they just do a lot of stuff that they ought not be doing. And then when they need these, need faith and patience in different areas, they, they've already used it up. So the enemy is very subtle and crafty along this line. He'll have you doing 101 things that you ought not be doing because he knows you're using up your faith, you're using up your, your energies, and you won't have it when you need it. We need to learn to live peaceful lives, quiet lives, restful lives. There's a time to get out and go do stuff, but you need to do it the right way. And you can, check, you can tell you, when you start getting antsy, start getting impatient, you start getting fretful, you need to pull out. You need, you need to go find your bedroom and get with God and get quiet. Wait on Him and renew your strength. If not for your own sake, for other people's sake that have to be around him. <laughs> Is that right? Watch about too many involvements. Watch about too many projects. Now finally, this is a big area too. Go with me to Genesis 27. You folk listen so good. Think I could talk all day. Genesis 27. God's good to us, isn't he? Helps us to see things. Understand things. I'm telling you, seeing light and seeing things clearly absolutely helps you to live a higher quality of life. Just... Helps you to come up, up, up. A lot of times you have in problems, but you don't know why until you can see it and understand it. And then, praise God, you can, you can live a higher quality of life. Genesis 27. Genesis 27, we won't look at uh, the whole thing. But over here in the latter part of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, Genesis 27, Rebecca... Isaac's wife, told her son Jacob, who had just, you know, deceived his brother Esau and got his blessing and everything. She told him, you better go to my brother uh, Haran and stay with him a while till your brother cools off. And verse 46, also she said to Isaac, Rebekah said to Isaac, Genesis twenty-seven forty-six. I am weary. She's what? Weary. weary. Is she being built up? No. no. I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. These are her daughter-in-law. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? I said, what what are you bringing this up for? Relationship problems will drain you (laughs) and sap you. And I mean just like pulling the plug on your spiritual resources. And uh, Isaac's wife, she said to him, these daughter-in-laws are wearing me out. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm weary of my life you know what another way of saying that is I'm tired of living these, these girls are wearing me out if Jacob because this are Esau's wives if Jacob marries women like this what good is my life to me they're obviously having some uh, family problems some relationship problems. You ever had any of those? I said, you ever had any of those? (laughs) Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Go with me also to the book of Judges. Let me show you another example along this line. Judges, chapter 16. Now, let me know what we're talking about. We're still talking about how to have a strong spirit, right? And we've already talked about how to get a strong spirit. But here's some things that you, you have to watch and not let be happening. Elsewise, it'll cause your efforts to develop to be in vain. Judges 16. This is some things about Samson. And, you know, Samson got hooked up with Delilah. Now, his relationship with this this woman, did that edify him? No. Could you get a more vivid effect? Or vivid illustration, I should say. (coughs) Vivid illustration of the effect of wrong relationships and its effect on your strength. You know, think about it. Samson was strong. I mean, not just physically, but but by the power of God. And he got hooked up with the wrong woman. And instead of him getting her over to his side, she pulled him over into her sin. And among other things, notice that she kept after him, you know, about where his power was. Now, you know, he's not too smart. He'd already picked up on this. Why does she want to know this so bad? And I come every time I tell her, "Well, it's this." She does it. You know, living in sin will make you dull. Living in sin will make you dull. I mean, you can't. Things will be plain as a nose on your face, and you won't see it. Cause sin dulls you. Makes you dumb. Sin makes you dumb. That's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. Sin makes you dumb. You watch some of the dumb stuff sinners do. Anybody with sense wouldn't do that. And the thing is, not that they're otherwise an intelligent person, but you sin and it dulls you. You just don't see stuff. Boy, if you walk with the Lord, you'll see stuff clear. Verse 15 She said to him, How can you say, I love you? When your heart's not with me, you've mocked me these three times and you've not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. The margin says the Hebrew says for vexed, it says his soul was shortened. One translation says he was tired unto death. Can relationship problems drain you, pull you down? And see, he got so tired, uh, he just got tired of fooling with it. Verse 17, he told her all his heart, told her what it was, and that was his undoing, man. Next thing he knows, he's blind and pulling a meal like an animal. See, that's one of the devil's favorite tactics is to wear you down. To just wear on you and wear on you and wear on you until you go do something crazy. Get exasperated and just "Ah," do it. Or just say it. You know, you can go spend an hour in the Bible. Read and feed and get yourself nourished up. Get over and pray 30 minutes in other tongues. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. I mean, just be built up, be full of life, be feeling good. Go get in an argument with somebody for two minutes. And it's gone. The strength you had, the momentum you built up, it's out of here. I say, well, what? You, you can't help it though if people... Yeah, it takes two. It takes two. And you can just absolutely refuse. To get upset and get... Now, I didn't say it's easy. But you can absolutely refuse. You know. uh, This is Christmas time. You may be seeing some folk you don't see all the time. And listen to me. You can pray in the spirit and get built up. But if you get into fussing and fighting and arguing with them and carrying on. It's going to be most difficult for you to be a good witness. You're going to lose all your strength. Is that right? A lot of stuff, you just, just have to let it go by you. Don't let it get to you. Don't let it barbe you. Don't let it irk you. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Keep your joy. Keep your peace. I read a church sign one time. It said, a man is only as big as the things that annoy him. <laughs> I thought, that's pretty good. What does it take to bug you? some folks some folk, don't take much at all I mean somebody can tap their nail for just a few seconds and they're ready to climb the wall not much strength and patience there that's folks can have a flat tire on the way to work and their joy is shot for a week and their peace is gone for a week there's a lot of people somebody can just look at them sideways you know Didn't really come up to them and greet them warmly and smile. And their joy is gone. They don't like me. Well, what if they don't? What if they don't? What if they just despise you? What if they just don't like to see you coming? What if? God loves you. Is that right? And they're not the only person on the planet. Besides that, there might be some reasons why they don't like you. Maybe you need to change. (laughs) <laughs> but praise God by the grace of God you can change and no need to worry about it do whatever but don't worry about it don't let yourself get embroiled and entangled with people fussing and arguing and fighting and that includes talking about the word remember that Paul told Timothy Warned him. And Titus, those young ministers and preachers, he warned them. If you read those epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus through there, I mean, he told them again, don't get embroiled in vain arguments and questions about the law. He told them, repeat it, don't do it. Don't get into it. Don't get into it. Because there's folk that that's their favorite thing to do is argue about the Bible. I remember when I first started coming to, to, to a Bible training center here myself and I'd go in home for something Different people, because they knew I'm coming here, they'd catch me. Want to bounce their favorite doctrine and revelation off of me. And they just want to argue. It wouldn't make much difference what you said. They'd say, if you said it's east, they'd say it's west. Whatever. If you say it's his will, they say it's not. If you say it's not, they say it is. Really, there are people that like to argue. Just don't get into it with them. Just don't. Just don't. Change the subject. They're wanting to talk to you about doctrine, and you say, "Mm, Aren't these good muffins? (laughs) Have one. Here. (laughs) But just don't. You cannot afford to worry. You cannot afford to sin. You cannot afford to do a bunch of stuff in the flesh that God didn't tell you to do. Do, Just doing stuff in the flesh without an unction wears you out. You cannot afford to fuss and fight and argue with people. Including your family, your relatives, your brother, your sister, your spouse, your roommate. Your roommate. Your roommate. And including your fellow employees, people you work with. You cannot afford it. You can get yourself all built up and doing good and just fuss and fight with them for just a few minutes and lose it. Be just as weak as if you hadn't prayed and read the Bible. How many know that this strength and development is too challenging to come by to just blow it and waste it on this kind of stuff? See, the devil knows this, so he's going to work overtime trying to get you into this stuff and all the things we've mentioned. But we're not ignorant of His devices. And so by the grace of God, we're going to keep our peace. We're going to keep our joy. And we're going to build ourselves up and we're going to keep our strength. And we're not going to waste it on a bunch of unnecessary and silly stuff. And vain things. And if we're not losing it, but we just keep building and not losing, what's going to happen? We'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Can you say amen? amen? Stand up with me. Hallelujah, thank God, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for utterance. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you for the ability to become stronger in you. Thank you for nourishing us with your words, teaching us how to develop and and teaching us things, warning us about things that drain us. And sap us of the strength you would give us. Lord, ere we begin to yield to a wrong situation and thing. Alert us. Help us to see it and realize it when it's going on. That we'd not get into things. That we'd not miss it and worry. We'd not get into fleshly things. We'd not sin. And we'd not get into fusses and fights with people. But that we would walk in the Spirit. Walk in love. Walk in faith. Walk in peace. And grow and develop in you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us.